How do creatives get a job in the industry? Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made by Things, this is the Command Z Show. And welcome back to the Command Z Show. Shelby, how's it going? It's going all right. How's it going with you? Oh, it's going pretty good, I guess. I uh, got my playoff tickets for the Cleveland Guardians yesterday. I know. I saw that on your calendar because I was like going through and putting stuff in. I was like, oh, man, he's serious about this. It's it's in the calendar. No, no, no. I don't. I don't mess around. Yeah, you're right, though. If it's in the calendar, it's it's something that I'm very serious about. Oh, yeah. Um, I went a few years back to my – I mean, I've been going to baseball games my entire life. I've yeah. always been a big baseball fan. That's the uh, Guardian's uh, hat here. For sure. Always on. Um, always. And uh, I got to go to my first playoff game probably two or three years ago. or Actually, it was 20, 2017, I think it was. Nice. And it was like the most incredible experience I mean, I put it up there with, like, my wedding day. Oh, man. Um, because it was, like, this crazy game where they were losing by a bit, but then all of a sudden they hit a grand slam and scored a bunch uh, near the end of the game and ended up winning it in extra innings, and it was just incredible. Like, the kind of experience where you're hugging strangers and, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's the only way I can explain it to people. I've never and, been to a baseball uh, game, so. You, you say you've never been to a baseball never game? never been to one. Uh, it's weird. It's a very nostalgic experience. Like, it's always weird. It's like, it's like telling somebody today that like this movie from the 80s was just incredible or early 90s, maybe. And it's like, well, I watched it when I was a kid. So it's, of course, it's still incredible to me. But like having this person watch it for the first time now, it's not like the same. Uh, that's the long Your version experience. of that story, apparently. Sorry, if you can hear my dog in the background, I apologize for that. I like baseball. <laughs> I know, honestly, he sees a he sees a cat. He's not used to cats, so he's. Oh, yeah. that is a God strange thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I I managed to get there in time. I got my tickets, and uh, next Friday, it's happening. I'll be I'll be not in the office. In case you're wondering. <laughs> so I, I was wondering because I'm also out of the office next Friday. So I was putting in the my little out. I was like, oh, man, we're both gone. We're abandoning nice. everybody. Well, just <laughs> I can't take anything serious with that dog. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He's so no, it's he'll, fine. He'll, 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 he'll quiet down. He just he just needs to have his moment here. He's our, he's our co-host. So. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your dog's name? I don't think I've ever asked this. His name is Francois. Of course it is. Yeah, it's Francois He's my little French new wave dog. <laughs> that's the most unsurprising name that you could have ever chose. <laughs> well, oh, and that, wow. it was either, if it was going to be a little girl, it was going to be um, uh, Agnes Varda. So she would have been named Agnes. But because it was a little boy. I thought about naming him um, Jean-Luc after Jean-Luc Godard, who just passed away the other day. Um but Jean-Luc Godard was like, was kind of a shit. So I sent a lot of cryptic messages to people. And I just huh. didn't want to like have a dog sending me cryptic messages because I just thought like, right. there's going to be some bad mojo there. So I went right. with Francois Truffaut instead. So I, I love it. <laughs> and, you know, the whole history of my dog's name. 
Wow. All right. That's good stuff. Podcast. Anyway. That's it. Yeah. So so we're recording. We're recording right now, I guess. We are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we were talking at the end of our last podcast thinking that this could probably be a part two. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we should really go there. Um, I guess I'll, I'll ask the question first and kind of tee this up a little bit, but then I'll pass it over to you and we'll get things started but the question last week was um i can't remember the exact words that we use but it was something along the lines of how do you kind of prepare for a career in this industry am i right there That's... yeah yeah how do how do how do new creatives or young creatives kind of step into the industry nice and uh on our last podcast we talked a lot more towards the younger audiences i suppose it would be more towards like you know, even starting at high school and even during college. And and today, the question is the same, uh, which this is going to make for a really poor intro. But uh, part two of how can creatives... I, <laughs> I messed that one up. Uh, uh, I'll Hold on. Uh, how do creatives get a job in the industry? Is that... Yeah, that's right. Okay, right. I'll edit it. It'll be fine. You're going to put that whole thing in there. That's fine. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. It's all going on. So, yeah. So, let me me ask you that, Shelby. Going from college, you're pretty Mm -hmm. recent in this stage still. So, let's let's have you start with that. It's really interesting because I came from less of a commercial background and more from a cinema background. So, there's been a lot of... um, it's been an interesting transition because especially because I went from from full cinema all the time, all day, every day, to all agency all day, every day. And the agency work I was doing was not very story driven. And then I came to Made by Things and it was 100% story driven. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like going back to the, the cinema roots of where do you find the story in this? You know, what are we trying to make? Um, focusing more on like creating the art as opposed to just creating a product. Um, so that was that was actually a really interesting transition for me to be able to kind of find that and go back. Again, I'm so sorry about the dog. But, um, <laughs> but um, no, so it, it's it's been a really interesting, really interesting change. And it's it's something that I, I would I, – I like talking to um, to other creatives that came from – less um that didn't come from film school that came from you know like other tech schools or two years or you know um schools that focus more on videography because i think all of those backgrounds are so different in the way that they they view the creative community um i mean i just had a whole conversation about my dog's name being francois truffaut i'm a snob so it's it's kind of an issue. Um, so I love hearing like the different the different ideas and the different backgrounds and the way people the way people think about things creatively, especially because I come from such a, a theory background. Right, right. <clears throat> I think that's that's one of the things that I always found to be really fascinating about you, though, is kind of co- combination of some of those different worlds. And uh, yeah, you're definitely you are a snob. I'll definitely tell you that. But I think oh, that's yeah. awesome. Like, <laughs> I think that's kind of like. I don't know. I, I think that's one of those things that's great. But um, so getting getting, I guess, a little bit more specific into mm-hmm. kind of how you broke into things, um, you know, going from college to career. Can you talk a little bit about that part of the process? So 
when I when I graduated, I graduated with my degrees in film history. And I was kind of in a place of I really desperately needed needed a job or I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know where I'm going to live. Right. And um, I was in a transition period. I hadn't been accepted into graduate school yet. And um, that didn't happen until, gosh, about a month after I graduated. So it was, I was still kind of, um, I was still in school and I was applying for places everywhere. I was just, please, somebody, please hire me. Right, right. And a lot of desperation in that, which I don't think anybody ever wants to be in, but I think a lot of people end up, unfortunately, doing. Um, So I was in kind of a desperate spot and applying to a lot of places. And I ended up going for um, an interview in Sioux Falls. And because I was still in Wayne at the time, went for an interview in Sioux Falls and um, was able to get the job there. And I was really excited and there was a lot of great opportunities and I was so excited to be in Sioux Falls. It was really cool. And it was a really, really great job for somebody just coming out of college. And I mean, I had a lot of good background. You know, I'd produced two features by that point and done a lot of work, but it was still really, really great for somebody just coming out of their four year. Um. So I was able to do that and then started that kind of interesting transition into commercial work, um, which was, which was kind of fascinating because it's a very different world. Um, and I, I had to kind of learn to think differently because, you know, when you're, when you're in, when you're in college, if you are, you know, you you make like a random commercial or something like, okay, like here's your assignment, make a commercial for X you kind of get to come up with everything from start to finish and there is no there's no speaking to a client. I mean you're you're randomly making a commercial for McDonald's in the middle of Nebraska and they're never gonna see it. So it's it's then you go from that to um, you know, like, okay, we're having discussions with clients, you know, what do they think? What are they like? You're working with other producers and I'd always been kind of my own producer, um, and doing my own thing. So all of a sudden you have a lot more accountability in your work and what you're doing. There's specific styles that you're learning. And that was something too, is learning to adhere to a style that I was unfamiliar with. Um, so being able to adapt to that was, was really fascinating. And I think it's something that a lot of people that when they're just coming out of college, they struggle with because they're, they've, you know, you've created a style, you know what you like, you know what you do. And going into that first job, you do have to kind of learn to adapt and learn what they're doing because you, you are still new. You are still new in this and they're, they're expecting that of you. Um, so going forward with that, worked at the agency for a long time, made a lot of neat things, worked for kind of like kind of a home improvement show. It was really cool. Um, got to learn more about advertising and writing for, for that world and being able to, um, being able to convey information in an interesting way. I think that was a big thing, um, as opposed to because it was it wasn't so much story driven. It was like how can we tell this in an interesting way visually, not so much story driven, which was interesting. Um, and then yeah, coming to to made by things, which I think for me especially because because I am pretty young, was um, I was really proud of myself to be able to kind of step into into that kind of role. Um, and I don't think a lot of people my age or you know, where they're, where they're at in their career, kind of given those opportunities and especially to kind of be able to flourish and, and be creative and, and think, and, you know, really be able to have a full say in what's happening. Cause I think that's, that's something that a lot of times younger people are, are overlooked with. 
Right. There's a lot there. Um, you know, starting with, with that idea right there. And we kind of talked about it uh, on the last podcast, but it's like this idea of like <clears throat> a big company and a small company and how they work, basically. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm always like, again, they, they, I don't, I personally, I mean, I'm obviously a little bit biased towards smaller companies because mm-hmm. that's what we have. Um, and I, I'm definitely more biased to this idea of like, I think that everyone should be able to have a lot of different skills that they're able to offer at any given point in a project. Right. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm anti-specialist. Again, we work with tons yep. of specialists, but I, I feel like, I don't know. So we, we talked a little bit about like, okay, during college, if you don't know specifically what you want to do, like you just have like a range of different mm-hmm. things. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but you just need to make sure that you are adjusting your expectations, I suppose. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're a generalist, you, I mean, you can apply for jobs at Pixar, but you're probably not going to get it. Pixar wants specialists. Yep. Um, so if you're like, no, I'm not willing to specialize right now or have the portfolio of a specialist, then what you want is a smaller company. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's so I wish I would have understood that myself, like in 2008, whenever I graduated college. Um, but I think I told this story several times, but whenever I graduated, I applied for over 300 something jobs over the course of six months mm-hmm. and didn't get a single one. I barely got an interview. If I got an interview it was because they didn't look f- close enough at my portfolio and my skill set. <laughs> and they they were like, oh, like I would hear that during interviews. I'm like, you wasted my time just now. <laughs> like whenever I hear stuff like that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so I think that you know, even if we start talking about like that idea, like what does it take to get that first job? You know, I, so right now we, our team is hiring for art director and I've been going through kind of our process. And that's something I'd actually like to share a little bit about our process, because I don't think that's something that's really talked about a whole lot by people. Yeah. Um, but you know, let me actually just, let me go there. Um, and I think we I have think a pretty distinct process too. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's weird because, you know, I've, I haven't been hiring people that long. Um, there is no course for like how to best hire people. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, I'm pretty much it as far as, like, yeah. making decisions and, like, putting stuff out there and you're looking through everybody. Sometimes I get other people involved to kind of look through some things. If I'm having a hard time, like, between two people, I'll open it up to a couple people on the team possibly mm-hmm. and be like, who do you think would be a better fit for this position? But um, that's one of the weirdest things um, about kind of the path that, that I've taken that I really wasn't expecting you know for me it was like okay I want to have a company I never honestly thought about hiring people Mm -hmm. like the process of hiring people in my head I was like you know what I'm gonna keep it pretty relaxed and like meet people at a park or something and like walk and just have a conversation that way like I always hated this idea of like there being a table in between two people and like having this conversation that was actually something that was really interesting when i got out of college is because i was doing all these interviews all the time and it's like get on Mm -hmm. the phone do this do that hop out of class because an employer is calling you and when i got into when i got in my job and we were hiring people we were hiring videographers and and editors and stuff and um they had us like kind of sit in and like do our own separate interview like more the tech interview 
And it was so scary and so formal because we would sit there and like maybe they were on Zoom or they're like across the desk or whatever. And we're just there with our notes, just interrogating, like interrogating this person. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for this process. Because it's like, it's so awful because it's so scary. It's like being able to like kind of have more of a, a relaxed interview is I think right. really great. So so here's the thing. It's scary for the person interviewing too. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I don't. I don't want to say like I get super nervous or anything like that, but like I always forget like what questions I want to ask, just like the person that I'm interviewing. Yeah. Like they're always like, uh, I don't, I had a question, but now I can't remember. Like I hear that once every single interview that I do. And I'm like, I'm right there with you, man. I don't remember exactly where I was going with things. Like this is just as uncomfortable for me as it is you. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, maybe that's because I've only been hiring people for like three years now, uh, maybe four. Honestly, I think but, it's good, though, that you're a little uncomfortable with it because I think it's... I, I agree, honestly. Yeah. I completely agree. I think that it... I think that's a good part of it. Like, I... I don't know. Again, like, I feel like... I don't know. There's a lot of things that I've learned throughout this process, like mm-hmm. little tricks and, like, even things that I can go back to interviews that I've had in the past where I'm, like, trying to learn from things from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm like, okay, now I know why they asked that question. Like, now I know that, like, the first interview that I did, I was legit Googling, like, questions to ask (laughs) in an interview. Yeah. And most of them were, like, questions to be prepared for in an interview, like, for the other side of things. But I'm like, well, what the hell am I supposed to ask? We need need interview training for the opposite side, guys. (laughs) Right, right. It's just a completely uh, missed (laughs) market there. And um, so, you know, I... One of the things that I do is um, writing a good um, job posting mm-hmm. is one of the most important things that, that I do. And it, it takes a lot of time to write a good one. And it's because, like, what we're trying to do, whenever we know it's time to hire somebody, it's not the clearest thing ever. Sometimes we don't know exactly the title of this person or the exact skill set that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. For us specifically, it's like, oh, man, one of two things is happening. Either one, we're using a lot of freelancers and, you know, we would always prefer to work full time rather than freelance with people. Yeah. Nothing against freelancers, but whenever there's a constant need for something as a growing business, we hire for that position. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever something's just kind of like all of a sudden really busy or it's just only going to be temporarily busy, then we just hire out freelancers. Um, or, or I guess another scenario would be if somebody specializes in something and they do it so well that we just want to work with them directly. That's another reason. Mm -hmm. Um, so whenever we notice that there is, I don't know, something happening or, or maybe there's just a gap in our own skill set as a team, Mm -hmm. like, uh, for for this instance right here. So Melissa is uh, our only art director right now. Mm-hmm. But when Melissa gets so busy, we, we, I mean, we, if she's able to take one, two projects on, we still have like four or five others going on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's either art direction by committee, well, by internal committee, <laughs> or potentially even myself uh, jumping in there, which I try not to do. Um, or we, again, just bring somebody on for just a two, like two days just to do like style frames or something. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of where, where we're at at this point. So it's like, okay, we know uh, we, we need somebody on the team. So this was a, 
as a small team, we move very quickly. When it's time to hire somebody, we move very quick. So mm-hmm. it was, I think, Saturday when I made the deci- last Saturday when I made the decision that we need to hire an art director. Mm-hmm. And uh, today's Friday for everyone keeping score at home. <laughs> and um, on Monday, I wrote the description and launched it out into the world, basically. And today's Friday, and we have over 300 applicants. And I've trying to start getting interviews set up, but that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, of these 300 people, there's a lot of mistakes that I see. And, and I, you know, I start at that job description that, that I write, you know, we, anybody that you see that has a job description out there, they spend a lot of time trying to craft the perfect person for a role. Mm -hmm. And every single word that's on there is written there for a reason. Yep. So if you read something and they're like, oh, okay, they need, like, this person needs to know Cinema 40, they need to know After Effects, they need to know Redshift. Like, if it has all those things on there, you you don't qualify if you don't do those things, right? And I, I don't know, it's, it's really weird because I see it from the flip side, too. Uh, this is like, no advice has ever come of this come like this before but most people say like just apply for everything if you think that you might be good just go ahead and apply for it that's not the worst advice however for somebody like myself that has it from the other side where i'm like okay of these 300 people less than 10 20 percent actually qualify for the position yeah it's really frustrating Again, this is I'm not. This is no woe is me kind of thing here. This is, I know so I many want people to want to work for you, Matt. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't want anyone to feel bad for me. It's just, it's one of these things where, when you apply for a job that you're not qualified for, you are. You're wasting your time and you're wasting somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you now, hear the common thing of like, oh, you know, I've got. I have to apply for a job. I'll just apply for a brain surgeon or whatever just because you know i'm on unemployment or whatever i'll just apply to whatever right you know yeah and i that's kind of how it feels sometimes like yeah honestly like when it comes to years of experience that is absolutely something that you know you don't have to have like that specific amount of experience Mm -hmm. if you can prove all the other skills uh sure we can overlook that for sure um i guess you know Depending on the position, if it's a more senior level position, we might ask for five years. We're not necessarily looking specifically for five, exactly five years of experience for something. We want somebody that has the experience of somebody that's been in the industry for five years. Exactly. And you can get that sooner if you're really good. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, apply away. Don't let that number stand in your way ever. Um, But when it comes to things like, you know, they're asking for certain skill sets. And if you don't have those skill sets... I don't know. Uh, you're probably better off not wasting your time on stuff like that. Or, and this is this is literally what I do. When people apply, I will have um, I will have on I have two screens. On one screen, I have all the applicants, and on the other screen, I have the job posting that I wrote. Yeah. And as I'm clicking person to person, I'm I'm literally checking boxes to see who's actually qualified. That's my first step going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, again, there, there's going to be some people that like might not be as skilled in certain areas, but I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But like, um, 
like if, if we ask like, okay, you should have 3D experience. Um, and if you're applying for it and you don't have any 3D uh, examples on your portfolio, you can't just say, yes, I have 3D experience. I need you to prove it with that portfolio because that's what I'm looking at. Um, the first thing that I look at, like I don't look at a resume. I look, go straight for a portfolio. And everyone in the industry, I have a feeling, is the exact same way. Yep. Uh, the portfolio has to check the boxes before we start diving deeper into things. I would agree with that. Um, so, yeah, so I'll check these boxes and then I put people basically into this little database of like, all right, here are the people that I think are highly qualified mm-hmm. um, based on their portfolio alone. So from there, I'd narrow my list down and then... Um, Usually I try to give it some time and I mean, as people are applying, I'm still just like trying to catch up and mm-hmm. look through everybody and make sure everybody gets kind of a fair look. Right. Yeah. And what's really frustrating is whenever people don't have a portfolio at all, um, it's like, oh, I don't understand how you think that's going to work, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, so based on that, whenever I feel like I've gotten a lot of good applicants, then I'll kind of change the process for myself a little bit where it's like, okay, now we are narrowed down. Now what? Um, and people are not going to like hearing this at all, but this is, this is 100% how it is. I will rank everybody. I will, I will go through their portfolio again. I will rank where I see them. Now this is, this is something that creatives hate. They hate competition but this is 100% what it is. But I mean, if if you're looking for a specific skill set, you're looking for somebody who does the right thing. I mean, it's not even really so much a competition. It's just what do we need at this moment? Right. And who right, right. that? Right. And that's that's actually a good point is that uh, I'm also looking for things like do the, does the work that they do, would it fit in with mm-hmm. our portfolio? That's kind of a big one. Like there's people that are amazing that apply for jobs all the time. Yeah. And we have to pass up on them because it's like, I assume when you show us this amazing work that you want to keep doing this kind of amazing work. But if you were to work with us, you'd have to be doing different kind of amazing work. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you also, I also judge portfolios based on their taste and their, and what they want to make. I assume that anything that's in a portfolio, that's the kind of stuff people want to do. So if I start seeing like a bunch of like, I don't know, liquid simulations and stuff like that. Even if they look incredible, I'm like, well, we don't do a whole lot of that. So this person wouldn't be happy in this role, most likely. And I'm not going to hire somebody that I think could be unhappy in a role. That would just be, I don't know, that'd be mean. Well, it's counterproductive (laughs) for everyone because if they're not happy in the role, and I mean, this is the thing, it's like, if you don't see yourself being happy at that job, don't apply to it. Because what if you get it and then you're you're miserable? I mean, it's it's, it's not worth your time. Right. And that's... You know, we are definitely fortunate enough to, I I don't know, I don't want to say we've been lucky. We have put in a lot of work to be able to do the kind of work that we do. Um, And I I get that other people would love to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. To me, that's that's one of the most amazing things ever. Whenever so many people apply for for these jobs that we put up, Um, like we have a really, really small team. There's... Uh, nine of us, ten of us, full mm-hmm. time somewhere around there, and um, I don't like. I, I love the fact that so many people want to work with us. Um, 
but yeah, like we have to say no to people that are really good all the time just mm -hmm. because it's just, it probably wouldn't be a perfect fit really. Well, the team feels to me like when I was coming in, it felt very, um, well curated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I felt like everyone was okay. Everyone was chosen for their specific place because of these reasons. And we're all a little bit different because of these reasons, because we're all filling right. each other's little gaps. And that, that well curated team is, I mean, if, if you don't fit, you don't fit, you know, mm -hmm. and that goes from whether it's your, your technical ability or your own style or your personality or whatever. I mean, those are, those are all little things that need to be considered. Right. 100%. So, um, from there, so again, I'm, I'm ranking people, I'm removing people from the list. If I don't think that they're going to be a good fit mm -hmm. again, that first time through, it's just like, who's doing great work Yeah, and let's put them on the list. Cause that's for us. That's what we want. We want to work with the best people that we possibly can. Right. Um, from there, it's also then, um, let's see, where do we go here? Um, looking at things like their location and salary expectations. Mm -hmm. So in all of our job postings, we try to put salary expectations in those. Um, and this is where we get like another layer of things of sometimes people don't read the description. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, they might say like, yeah, I'm in New York city and I need $200,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure you do, but like that's, not what we can do here in the Midwest. Um, <laughs> um, so again, it's like we we try to we have to compare quality of work uh, with salary expectations. Mm -hmm. So you know, I don't necessarily want to say that people are competing on who can offer the lowest salary because that's not what it is at all. But it is a balance. As a business owner, I have to keep those things in mind of. Um, I don't, like I, I need people that can do great work, but do it within the budgets that we have. Right. Yep. And, um, for some people, that's just a complete deal breaker. And I'm like, great. So then we remove another portion of that list and get even smaller. And that's fine. Right. So, um, and basically from there, it's like, okay, now I can see the people that I want to interview. Because mm -hmm. I, what I don't want to ever do is waste people's time. I don't want to waste my time. I, you know, I don't want to waste anyone else's. Yep. At most, I might interview <clears throat> six, seven people for a position. And at minimum, I try to interview at least two. Mm-hmm. There's times where if somebody stands out, I'm like, okay, this person right here, they are the ones that I want on the team. I won't waste anyone else's time. I want to interview them first. And if that, I guess, let me get to that point now. So based on that interview, it's, you know, their work is good enough. You know, what am I looking for mm -hmm. in an interview? And the biggest thing now is, you know, they've, they should have already proven their technical ability, mm -hmm. their their work, their written communication, they should have already proven that by now. Yep. So now an interview, honestly, is, you know, are, are you going to be a good cultural fit within the team? Are you a good communicator? Mm -hmm. um, are you somebody that, you know, clients might want to talk to? Like, you know, it's, 
it's a really weird thing. It's kind of like, this is going to sound really weird, but like it's, it's kind of measuring the, their energy. Oh yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. What are the vibes? <laughs> right. It's, it's something that like, I've never been able to put like words to, but you know, there's some people where I'm just like, you know what, for this position now, let me say this. I, I'm personally not afraid of hiring people that are a little bit awkward. I feel like I'm a little bit awkward. Um, and I feel like creative all a little awkward. All creative for sure. are a little for sure. awkward. It's okay. And that's what I was going to say. Like, I think it's just different like levels of yeah. like this kind of awkwardness. And like, for me, I'm like, okay, I, I have to think about like, all right, is this person client facing or are they not? If they're not, I just need to make sure that they can work with our team and they can communicate well. But if they are working with clients, that's kind of different now because mm-hmm. now this person is going to be put in front of a of a client and they need to represent who we are. So it's a little bit different where it's like, okay, for those kinds of roles now, like I need you to be kind of charismatic. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, you can't really measure that stuff, but it's yeah. really just like, can I trust them in a conversation alone with a client? <laughs> well, I mean, can, can they, can they hold their own within the conversation? I mean, can right. they, can they manage what's happening and where the discussion's going to? And I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lot of different personalities, but just having somebody who is, you know, if they can crack a joke at a meeting or, right. you know, just be friendly and personable, that's, that's a big thing. Right. So you can there's be awkward and do that. I do it every day. I yeah, we were just talking about how awkward I was in a meeting the other day, but <laughs> uh I mean, yeah, it's I don't know. It's just it's not any sort of like measurable thing. It's really just like how does it feel to talk to this person? Yeah. Um and that's so whenever I do an interview, that's really what I'm trying to take into account. Mm-hmm. Um So then in the end, a decision comes from Okay, is their portfolio good? Is their salary range within what we can do? And is this how will this person fit culturally in our team? Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, there's times where I never get to a resume with people. Yeah. Like I might just completely ignore it altogether. Um, but there's I, I'd say more often than not, I do take a read through. Um, in some cases, and I've told you this too, uh, mm-hmm. for you, what actually got my attention was the resume. Yeah. Um, it was the resume first and then start seeing portfolio and it's like, okay, interesting. Um, but I think that's, um, I don't know. It's the portfolio is absolutely the, the most crucial part of any creative position that you apply for. Well, and that's one thing too, is because, because of the way that I applied and like what I was applying for, it, it kind of depends on what you're applying for. Right, right. So, right. cause I mean, I had applied for the producer position and then you had also kind of made me a writer as well because of what I do. And right. I hadn't sent you a, a writing portfolio mm-hmm. at all. I had just sent you, I had sent you my resume and in my resume, I have links to the films that I've worked on. And so everything, 100%, like all of my pedigree is the first thing that you see. And then it's things I've been involved in and then projects. So, because I have my stuff set up like a CV. It's a complete curriculum vitae. And then I just made it a resume. So um, it was, so then you had reached out to me about writing samples. And now I'm kicking myself. It's like, man, I should, I should include writing samples on things. Like, why am I not doing that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
yeah so i guess you're right it's like it really depends on kind of the, the position that you're applying for um yeah there's I don't know, I guess if I was to talk more about that resume, um, the things that I need on a resume, a clickable link to your portfolio. Yes. Um, if it's an image and you just made it a PDF or something like that and I can't click it, I get annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone does. So like, I want to be able just to open up a, a resume, have a clickable link there. Um, I want to see an email address to contact you because I'm not calling people. I'm just as weird as everybody else right well, i don't want to i would even say like put stuff phone. like in the header like right put right. all the contact information and put your links in there just mm-hmm. right up top just get it done right i you know a lot of how i look at things is not in a traditional sense as far as a resume like yes i want to see your experience what i don't really want to see is the corporate language mm-hmm um, the big words. I don't know. I want to see some of your personality in this thing if we can, because yeah. if I can start, if I can use that to measure your personality early on, then that's that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's why I don't really look at resumes that much because I feel like they're mostly just. I don't think that people lie on them or anything. I just think that they don't tell the full truth, not like a portfolio does, and not like talking to somebody face to face does. Well, it's, it's um, sterile. You put it together because you're expected to put it together, you know? Right. Right. And let me go to this now. So the cover letter. Mm-hmm. I feel bad every single time that I see a cover letter um, because I don't, I, 300 people, right? Yep. Uh, I don't have the time to read through every single cover letter. I very greatly appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. It shows that you are really taking the time to... Um, I don't know, like look at the position that you're applying for and researching the company that you're applying to, which again, I I think is a huge uh, plus, right? Like most people seem like they are just spraying their resume all over the place. Like they don't even know what they've applied to. And you can tell in the cover letter Mm -hmm. if it's, if it's general or not. Right. Because I mean, you see cover, I see cover letters all the time. I mean, I've, I've had friends like, can you prove my cover letter? It's like, I shouldn't be just proofing a general cover letter. You should be tailoring this for each place right i would so much rather one or two sentence sentences that show that you actually looked into us yeah rather than this cover letter yep again since most cover letters are just crap at this point i don't read any of them because i just i have to assume that they're all crap (laughs) it's just like (laughs) matt did um, you read mine i spent so much time on it (laughs) i honestly don't know i i may have but i well, I guess the other thing is, like, I get people that apply for the job, and then they reach out to me directly on things like LinkedIn. Yeah. And I'm like, I, a general hello is totally fine. But, like, whenever people write these long messages, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I can't, I don't have, I physically don't have the time as a small company. Like, again, if we had a dedicated person, yeah. it'd be a different story, most likely. But, like, I am the one looking through this stuff. So, again, when you're applying to small companies, you have to think like a small company mm-hmm. or small business owner, right? And this is a big question, actually. Okay. Because I don't like feeling like I'm pushy. I feel bad. Um, I have a question then. So if somebody sends you a message, say they send everything in because, I mean, we do our stuff like by email. So they send in all their stuff to the email. And then if they send you a message as well on LinkedIn saying, hey, I applied for this. Just wanted to let you know, really looking forward to the opportunity or whatever. Right. How do you feel about that? I don't mind if it's a short, 
little thing, mm-hmm. I might say, cool, I'll take a look. That's pretty much my copy and paste response is, cool, I'll take a look. Yeah. Now, if I'm being completely honest, there are times where somebody will, like, they'll kind of say that, like, hey, uh, I applied for the job, just want to share my portfolio here as well. Yeah. And there are times where that 100% gets my attention. Oh, yeah. And I will start that conversation right away. Like, I'll be like, oh, uh, like, I always look at the links. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't always have the time immediately, but I always look at the links again. And if that person is like, like if this person is high up on my list already, Mm -hmm. I'll 100% start that conversation right away. Yeah. And say like, hey, I think you actually would be a good fit. And I'll start asking some of those questions like, hey, you know, where where do you live? What's some of your salary requirements? Um, I don't know. Like there's times where I'm not ready to start interviews yet. But if this person is good enough and I can see that they're high up on there, I'll just Mm -hmm. schedule an interview right away. Nice. Um, So... I think that those things are, are good. What I would say is don't send like 15 messages in a row. Um, it kind of gets me to the other part right here, which is we don't have the time to send rejection letters to everyone. Yeah. Now, this is something that's it's very painful mm-hmm. uh, to, to do because, I don't know, you like to build people up, not tear them down. And this... Yep. Also, you don't want to be an enemy to people. And it's just, I don't know, kind of feels like, okay, well, now this person's going to hate me. And it sucks, but, like, this is what we do. So initially, at first, I would send rejection letters to, like, dozens of people. And I'm like, wow, this is painful, and I don't need to do this. Like, I don't, like... Again, maybe that sounds bad, but it's like, I'm going to completely wreck my like next week if I have to send rejection letters out to everybody. Like why go through the pain of that? Um, it's just not worth it. Like I have to, to kind of protect myself in some way here as well, you know? No, Again, not not asking for sympathy, but at the same time I have to make decisions that, that make right the most for sense. Yeah. Right, right. So what I do is, um, you know, I'll ask some questions of people and if I interview anybody, all of anybody that I interview, if they are not selected, I 100% send just yeah. an email to them saying it didn't work out. If I take people's like time, I 100% feel like I owe them a message saying that they didn't get it and maybe even the reason why. Because I want to try to be as constructive as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say 90% of people take that really well. And to me, I'm like, interesting. They just prove something else about themselves. Yeah. Or if they don't take it well, they also prove something about mm-hmm. themselves. These lists, they do not just de- get deleted whenever we hire. Um, and I think that that's something that people need to kind of think about. Is if you, if we're hiring for a role that you were good for once, good chance that's going to come up again. Mm-hmm. So or at least a different close. opportunity in the same right in the same realm. Because I think right. that that's something too. Is like if I'm speaking to a freelancer or you know, whatever. Or, I mean, there was the the guy that um, applied for my job at the agency right before me. They were going to hire him, mm-hmm. and then they ended up hiring me. It was like the exact same thing that happened here. I just, do, I huh? just slide in at the last minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here I am. Hi. So, um, but it was a thing though, because later on we were applying, we were hiring for the exact same position. We we're like right. that person. 
might be good again. And I, I think that that's something that people kind of overlook. It's like, okay, I got this rejection letter. I'm going to ghost them or whatever. I don't like this company anymore. It's like, well, it just might not have been the right time and the right place. Right, right, you know, right. I mean, it's always good to maintain those relationships because there might be an opportunity that comes up later on. 100%. And, you know, not saying that I need this long, like, thank you letter again. Yeah. But just to acknowledge something is always the right approach, right? It's always good um, to just end those conversations on, on good notes. 100%. And, you know, it has actually, um, from an old interview of somebody that was like, that I ranked kind of second on the list. Um, they did end up coming back and working with us in a contractor nice. capacity. And uh, I'm like, see, that's that's why. Like, I never forgot you. Mm-hmm. It was just, I thought that somebody was just a tiny bit better for this role. And that's that's the other really tough thing is that we're talking about such a small margin mm-hmm. from like what, like, you know, our, our first... Favorite person, the second favorite, third favorite person, whatever. I don't want to call them favorites necessarily, yeah. but like that's kind of what it is, or the best fit fitting people, I guess I can say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, like if this person just had like six more months of experience or a year more experience doing this thing, like they would totally be ready for this. Or if they just showed a little bit more of this stuff on their portfolio, I would be 100% on board. Mm-hmm. So, so often that's what it comes down to. And so I would even say, like, if if it's a company that you really want to work at, don't stop right there. Check in every few months. Send an email. Be like, hey, uh, you think there's going to be any positions opening up anytime soon? Like, again, you. that's one of the things that surprises me most is that, like, I'm li- literally using my private email to send all these things off to people or they're, they're sending, they're applying to my personal email. Yeah. And I'm like... That's a horrible idea. I could totally get bombarded like at any moment. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I feel like just people should take advantage of those kinds of things. And again, not in a bad way, but like just to be able to be like, okay, now I know the person that's making hiring decisions at a company that I want to work at. Um, don't just delete the email and move on. Like, I don't know, set reminders to follow up occasionally. Again, if it is somebody that you, somewhere that you truly want to work, if it's not, if it's somewhere that you just sprain your resume, whatever, like obviously it wasn't that important to you anyway. So, um, but that's, uh, that's a big thing there to me. Um, and then let's see, where else do we go with this? Um, you know, then we have, um, you know, whenever we, as far as like the amount of interviews, there's companies out there that will do like half a dozen interviews before they make a hiring decision. Yeah. Um, I think that's another one of those things where the bigger company is, the more people kind of need to have input on it. So that's what makes all of those. Um, but the smaller a company, uh, usually one interview is all you need. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I might do two. Um I guess if I'm like really on the fence about something or if I want to, if I really want to hire somebody, but I'm like, there's just this one thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll have that second interview and be like, listen, like, here's my one doubt. And I'll explain it to them and let them respond. So if I'm like, you know, it just doesn't seem like you have any 3D experience, but everything else is perfect. And, or I might say you might not have as much 3D experience. And then maybe they're like, 
oh, you know what? Like, that's something that I'm trying to work on. Or that's, uh, I actually have like three videos that I just never put on my portfolio I can share with you. So if it's something like that, something that I think we can talk through, I'll, I'll have a second interview. But more often than not, it's just one to me and then then they're hired. Um, yeah, let's go to some 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 final thoughts here. I think we, we covered a lot there. I think there's still actually another <laughs> podcast so that we have here. There's so that you can do with this, though. There's, like, there's so right. many layers. <clears throat> there is. And I think the, the one thing that we didn't talk about is like, okay, what about the people that are already in the field and maybe trying to shift their career yeah. or something like that. And maybe that's something that we can. It's part three. Part three coming soon to a theater near you. Not next week though. We've got, we've got things for, for next week. So we do, we do a special guest. Special guest. Um, anyway, so uh, any, any final thoughts you want to give before we wrap this up? Yeah. I just, I, I think the biggest part of it is be, um, be wary and be intentional with, with what you're doing. Um, be reflective and... Okay. So, but... Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no. Have... Uh, apply with intention. And yeah. kind of know your company that you're applying to. And be familiar with it. And, and maintain those relationships. Before, during, after. Because there's always those opportunities that come up. So, just being really intentional with your actions. And reflecting on... on Reflecting on why you're applying, I think, is right. a big thing. What What is driving you to want to apply here? And is it just because, oh, it's a, a, a why not? You know, that's fine. Yeah. But I think making sure that you understand what you want out of this role and what you want out of this company is important. Just as important as the why the company wants something out of you as well. Right. Right. 100%. I was going to say something similar, but now I'll go with something different. Um, <laughs> I would say... <clears throat> yeah, it could be a long process. Mm-hmm. And don't let that get you down. Those are the people that, I mean, almost everybody in the industry has a story about how this wasn't easy. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. If it was easy, then everybody would do it. And if everybody was to do it, it wouldn't really be that special. And um, I don't know, again, like when I was, I think I told this story several times too, but like when I was, when I graduated, it took me a solid six months to find it any work at all yeah and it doesn't seem like a lot of time when i say six months um but considering i went to school for three and a half years that's, um, a, that's a while it is it's yeah. a, a lot longer than i was really hoping for and that and that and that time like uh i don't know it makes you think about a lot of different things and makes you just question what you just did like what you just spent all this time and money trying to do and um I don't know. Like I, I'm for me, I'm glad that I stuck in there obviously because it worked out, but a lot of people couldn't wait that long. A lot of people were like, after two months, they're like, Oh, I tried everything. It's not working. I'm going to have to just do something else. Well, it's disheartening. Right. It's, I right. mean, it's really disappointing when you put all that effort in and then nothing is coming out of it immediately. Right. I guess the thing is like a lot of people feel like just because you went to school for something, that means that you're sort of I don't want to use that word entitled, but But you are entitled, I suppose, to to get that job or to be handed that job afterwards. But it's not it doesn't work like that at all. Like the college really is just there for training and the rest is up to you. Yep. And if you can't interview well or if you can't 
if you don't have that right kind of portfolio together, um, it's it's not going to work out no matter how good you did in school, you know? Your, your resume can only do so much. Mm-hmm. And so much of the schooling is your resume. And that can only right. take you so far. I mean, you can go to a top five and still not end up in For sure. this place. Again, it's one of those things. It can be impressive on a resume, but then what happens whenever people dig a little bit deeper? So... I don't know. You need to prove your your expertise. Mm-hmm. If if things aren't working out for you right away, um, I don't know. Don't get too. I say don't get too down on yourself, but like again, that's exactly what I did. So I yeah. get it. Um, but try not to. Try to come up with a plan at any moment. Like, okay, if nobody's hiring me, why is that? You have to kind of reflect on those things, and even ask people. Like that's if, again, if you have an interview with somebody or if somebody tells you it's just not a good fit, ask them why. I, more than more often than not, people will tell you exactly why if you're curious enough to know. I think that says a lot about a person who's willing to ask because, I mean, it shows 100%. a lot of humility. It shows a lot of self-reflection and I appreciate that. Right. For sure. And um, yeah, that's... Uh, that always means a lot to me too. Whenever I hear back from people and they're like, Oh cool. Like, you know, I was really hoping I'd get it, but totally understand. Just curious though. Like what can I do differently next time? Yep. I'm more than happy to give two or three bullet points of like Mm -hmm. why something didn't work out, you know, from, from the side of somebody trying to get a job, it seems like there's not much going on behind the scenes. Like they, I know how it feels to just send your resume, your portfolio somewhere and not hear anything back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes people do just ghost you. I can't really do anything about that. But um, there is a lot of conversation that happens. Like if people just knew, like anybody that applies for these jobs, like how much thought I put into this, how many, like I want to read their words. I want to look through their Instagram. Like I, I dive very, very deep into people before making a decision. And um I think it can feel like people just aren't paying attention at all. Um, but, you know, you just you have to figure out what you can take from different things and figure out if there's figure out what you need to change. If mm-hmm. your portfolio is not good enough, then you need to spend your time making a better portfolio. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I know it's not that easy, especially if you have to work. But how bad do you want it? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, make sure you're prioritizing. Without it. Right. Okay, that's all I got. Uh, good, good chatting. Good chat. Uh, hopefully, this is useful for people. And uh, that's all I got. Love you, bye. The Command Z Show is created by Made by Things. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show. <laughs>